Good morning. Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad you're here. I would like to extend a special welcome to the visitors who are with us this morning. Um, you are invited to fill out a card that's in the uh, back of the pew in front of you, and you'll get invited to some special events we have for visitors. If you've been coming for a while and you would like to make First UU your spiritual home, we would like to invite you to join this congregation. Please speak to the people at the visitor's table, which is right out here in the foyer, about how to do that. We come from a long heritage that teaches that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in that spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst, by shaking and greeting the hands and greeting of the, the people around you. Nell has chosen a wonderful reading for us this morning. Let me see if I can find it. Here it is. It's a poem by Barbara Peskin entitled Prayer for Those Gathered in Worship. That is a fitting title. In this familiar place, listen to the sounds of breathing, creaking chairs, shuffling feet, clearing throats, and sighing all around. Know that each breath, movement, the glance meant for you or intercepted holds a life within it. These are signs that we choose to be in this company, have things to say to each other, Things not yet said, but in each other's presence, still trembling behind our heart's doors. These doors closed but unlocked, each silent thing waiting. On the threshold between unknowing and knowing, between being hidden and being known. Find the silence among these people and listen to it all. Breathing, sighs, movement, holding back. Hear the tears that have not yet reached their eyes. Perhaps they are your own. Hear also the laughter building deep where joy abides despite everything. Listen, rejoice, and say amen. My name is Nell Newton. For those of you who don't know me, I've been a member of this church for about 20 years. And after doing everything that can be done around here as a volunteer, I decided to go pro. <laughs> I just finished up my first year of studies at Meadville Lombard Theological School, which is one of two Unitarian Universalist seminaries. And every step of the way has convinced me, made me more certain that I'm doing the right thing at the right time with the right people. And that's such a good feeling. And early on in one of our orientation sessions, one of the instructors asked us point blank, who loved you here? Who loved you to this place and this journey? My home church, this congregation, 
You loved me here. You loved me on this journey. Thank you. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Those are great words. And for those of you who are visiting or who've just been here for maybe a year or so, you might think that those words have always been here, always been part of us. But that's not the case. So this morning, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the whole thing, how it went down. I tear up easily, what can I say? When our leadership set out to create this mission, it was only about two years ago. And we listened to the whole congregation. And I'm going to use the word we because I was part of this whole thing. We gathered hundreds of ideas and thousands of words that people gave us as their ideas and their dreams for what is the work of our church. And then we sifted and we sorted and we winnowed out the most salient words and we worked them into the mission. And so it is a powerful vision of what we believe and who we hope to become. And if we look real carefully... These words reveal some important ideas that we might not otherwise articulate. And articulating is the whole point of a mission. So here's a little bit more of the backstory. See, a few years back, it was determined that no one was really clear about the mission of the church, the reason why we keep showing up here. And without a shared mission, some folks were unclear about what was helpful and what was distracting us from our larger purpose. Larger purpose. A reason bigger than but inclusive of each one of us. Larger purpose. So yes, there was a wonderful mission statement that had been crafted about a decade before, but after that initial work, it was lovingly placed in a secure location and never looked at again. And that is how mission statements don't work. And some people wondered, can we just take the old one and dust it off? But wiser folks said, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm, it's not like sourdough. You have to start from scratch each time. So that's how we wound up conducting a whole series of workshops and exercises that resulted in page after page of beautiful words to work with. And then one fine spring day, the church board, our interim minister, and a really great consultant all holed up in a room. Thank you. I think it was your living room. We all hold up in there with all these pages, and we began the process of finding out what's important. What were we doing that was bigger than but inclusive of each one of us? We looked at examples from other churches. Some of them were very, very detailed. 
they went on and on and on. And we decided that we would keep ours short enough to fit into a single sentence, something you could carry around easily. And there were many, many drafts, but it wasn't a sausage-making enterprise. It was, it was not argument and compromise. It was something really sweet and very exciting. And once these words coalesced, we collectively stopped. And I think some of us kind of gasped. I know I got tears in my eyes because when I saw these words together, I saw us. I saw this congregation. It was cool. (laughs) It was really cool. These words are powerful. And this time, we are not going to let them out of our sight. We made sure that they would be put in common usage, and someone saw fit to put them up on the walls. Now let's go think about, what do they really say? First off, we are agreeing to be in community. Even if we believe that each person is tasked with developing their own personal theology, we are still coming together as a community. In community is where the richness of our many voices form a chorus of experience. In community is how a potluck feeds a multitude. In community We can hold one another in times of joy and sorrow and hold one another accountable into our highest aspirations. There are some things you just can't do by yourself, no matter how beautiful your theology. And despite all kinds of statistics that suggest church membership is a quaint old habit on the decline... We're bucking that trend, and we're coming together as a church community. Now, I'm going to jump ahead and look at the middle part. We have charged ourselves with the work of transforming lives. This indicates that we feel that change is possible within a human life. We are not predestined. We are not fixed, we're not beyond help, and we're not even already perfect. Lives can be transformed, maybe even our lives. Now, granted, we don't specify if we're going to transform them for the better or worse, but I'll be optimistic and suspect that we aim to improve, because truly this does speak of an optimism that presumes progress is possible and that things can get better with intentional work. And we're indicating that this is work that we will do. We're not waiting for a force outside of us or above us to sprinkle transformation powder down upon us. (laughs) No, and you notice... We're not doing this work in the aim of redemption or connecting ourselves to something from which we were disconnected by sin 
or failure or simply having been born? No. But note, we are just going to stop with transforming lives. We're not offering any help with any afterlife activity one might want to choose to engage in. Uh -uh. This is straight up, classically, optimistic humanism with no need for anything supernatural. We're going to stick with the natural. And we have the power, and some would say the duty, to transform lives. Okay? Now, I'm going to go back to where we announced that we intend to nourish souls. Two words, big ideas. Okay? See, we're being really bold here in stating that there are such things as souls and that they require nourishment and that we will attempt to provide this nourishment. Okay? Now, we're going to skirt around a few of the fiddly little details about souls and afterlives because, remember, we're just sticking with the here and now. And we'll acknowledge that if we do use the word soul, it is setting us apart from strict humanists who would place the use of reason and the development of the human personality above all. What we're saying is that we will feed something more than just our minds. And we are saying that we believe our community can be the source for this nourishment. Again, it won't just fall out of the sky upon a deserving few. And from what I've seen around here, nourishing souls seems to be a really active process, using poetry and music and ritual to feed and comfort us in times of celebration and crisis. Nourishing souls. I just got to let you know, that that kind of talk can get you thrown out of a lot of UU pulpits around this country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In making this statement, we are placing ourselves among the contemporary Unitarian Universalists who are reclaiming spiritual language and creating a place for such discussions in our church. That doesn't happen everywhere. We're still a little new at this, and I suspect that we don't really have a good working definition of the word soul that everyone's going to agree upon. That's okay. But the fact that we're ready to use this word and do this work is a really big step into a broader theology. Really. It's big. Y'all are brave and bold. Now, we will do justice. This is biblical talk here, straight from Micah 6, 8. I suspect we were sort of just channeling unconsciously. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Yeah, we're not quite ready to go there yet. And yet, there is an electricity in these words. 
do justice. They indicate that we are aware of injustice, and we intend to do something about it. We won't wait for an afterlife for fairness to be meted out. We're not going to wait for karma to tidy up this mess. Instead, we will strive to discern what is just from unjust. And we know that it's not always as easy as it sounds. And then we will attempt to be part of the weight that bends the arc of time toward justice. Nourish souls, transform lives, do justice. Such great words. Now, there were some really good words that wound up on the cutting room floor. Sacred, beauty, love, nature. Now, they showed up, but they just didn't show up with quite the same frequency as some of the others. And here's another word that didn't make it. Truth. Now, it did show up a couple times. Generally, in that phrase, free and responsible search for truth and meaning. That's one of our UU principles. But for the most part, truth did not figure heavily. Why is that? Now, I don't know for sure, but I have my personal favorite theory. It goes like this. And I'm so sorry, but I have to bring up postmodernism to get there. Here goes. I suspect that many of us have let go of the notion that there is such a thing as a pure, unchanging, universal truth. Even the idea that one plus one equals two really only works if you're measuring discrete objects. Because all of us know that one drop of water and another drop of water makes one fat drop of water. So I suspect that we're no longer really in pursuit of a solid, lovely, fixed, singular, capital T truth. But we're probably also not falling into the nihilism or relativism that is the dark side of postmodern thought. That would be the idea that since there's no single truth, there would be no truth at all. That doesn't feel quite right either. Instead, I suspect that we are wandering into the alter-modernist, oh yeah, I'm in grad school, the alter-modernist understanding of truth as a multifaceted, shimmering thing that can only be appreciated from many angles and through many voices. And this gets us back to why we are gathering in community. Oh, there were some words that just never even showed up at all. They were not on those pages of paper because they are not part of our collective theologies. Those were words like suffering, mercy, repentance, 
judgment. We don't find redemption in suffering. We don't feel the need to repent in order to live our lives fully. That says something very important. And there was one other word that showed up a couple of times, but not enough to really register, and that was body. (laughs) We didn't think to include our bodies. That's okay. I suspect they're implied, but I can't be sure. Just in case, I'll bring mine along. Okay. Nourish souls. Transform lives. Do justice. This is our current mission. It reflects the theologies we bring with us and hope to create together. Ah, but in a few more years, we're going to start from scratch and do the whole thing over again. And then... Because we're comfortable with change, right? Nod your heads until it's true. We're comfortable with change. New words will appear on the wall, and it will be cool. I promise. You are an instance of the nature of things. You are essential to all of the becoming and perishing of moments. Hold in your heart the possibility that all of creation is by and for and because of you. Blessed be. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.